This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today we're going to talk about deer calls. What do you need as a new hunter to know about calling deer in and bringing them in for the shot? So, uh, I, this needs probably broken up into two categories if you're hunting with a bow versus if you're hunting with a rifle. Um, your need for calls and the use for calls are going to change dramatically from one to the other. When you're hunting with a rifle, you have a lot more range, you've got more options, you're also in a different part of the season. Um, the use and need for calls is different. If you're hunting with a bow, you need to get deer in real close, usually within 30 yards or less, 20 is better, in order to get a good shot at them and you're also in a different part of the hunting season. So what do you need? What are the best options? How can you break into this? Now my first piece of advice is you really don't need calls for deer hunting. If you're a new hunter and you're just getting into the sport, um, chances are you're gonna do more harm than good trying to pick up some calls and do some calling for deer. Deer aren't like turkeys in the springtime. You don't need to call them in. Um, you're, you're better off focusing on no sound and no smell. Don't move. Don't make any noises. And minimize your scent. Those are probably the most important things you can do as a new hunter when it comes to deer hunting. But calls are popular. They're all over the shelves at stores. There's a lot of talk about them. So let me give you guys some background information. Things you can build on or put into practice in order to get into this. So there's four main kind of calls, at least that I'm gonna talk about. These are not exhaustive, they're not all inclusive, but just to give you a sense of what's out there and when you might use each. 
First, you have the rattle. Uh, a rattle call or an antler call is basically a call that simulates uh, two bucks that are sparring with each other, locking antlers, fighting one another. And um, there's two or three different ways this call can be made. The most obvious is you take two antlers from a deer that you or someone else has already killed and you literally just rattle them together. Um, that's probably going to give you the most realistic sound, although it's also going to take up a lot of space trying to get that into the woods and using that. Uh, the other ways involve anything from um, getting a bag, like uh, just a little narrow bag or sack, and putting a bunch of different types of wood in that, and then you sort of roll that wood in your hands. It makes a great sound. There's other materials that are used other than wood, maybe polymer, maybe some different types of stones, uh, things like that that can be you know rubbed together or jiggled or whatever. <laughs> There's all different kinds of stuff out there. But the idea is you're making the sound of two bucks fighting, two bucks sparring. And the, the thought behind that is if there's a big buck around, if there's a dominant buck around, if there's a big boy in the area and he hears some other bucks, he's going to come to check it out, knock them off his turf or see who it is because he doesn't want other people on his turf without his permission. Especially if he thinks that there are does about that these bucks might be going after or they're competing for and he wants to come in and see it and stop them or whatever his curiosity brings him in. Now, how often and how well does this work? Uh, if it's rifle season, I'm going to say 1% of the time. Uh, mo mostly because once rifle season comes around, at least in Pennsylvania, the, the time where bucks are sparring and, and you know jousting it out a little bit for fun and just to strengthen their necks and establish dom dominance, that time's already over. That's done. Now, there is a chance that you might have two bucks legitimately fighting during rifle season in the, the, the peak rut or post rut, and that can happen. It's relatively rare in a lot of places. It's not going to happen all the time. It's not something that's very common. And uh, at this point, bucks are sort of dispersed. They're on the move. They're looking for does. The chances of there being, you know, multiple bucks around doing this and hearing this is less. So the season for that's already passed. They've already established dominance. They've already, you know, broken up from their friendly bachelor groups for the most part, and they are cruising out looking for does. So this does not work so well in the during rifle season. Not to say it can never work, not to say it would never work. I just wouldn't ever do it. Because chances are higher that you're gonna push bucks away, they're gonna find it suspicious, uh, and and just you're going to mess up and blow up your hunt. Um, I've known people, I've heard them talk about this, how you know they've, they've brought in a few bucks with, with uh, antler calls and rattle calls, and, but in, for the most part, they've stopped using them years ago because they've sat there and watched other people use them. And they're 100, 200, 300 yards away, and they can see and hear other people using rattle calls, and they can see deer react to that person that that person can't see. And again and again, bucks turn their heads, they look, and they either do nothing or they turn about face and they're gone. 
So the person making the call, they never saw that the deer were turning and running. They never saw that it was pushing deer away. But other hunters who were at a distance are watching this happen and, and seeing the effects of it. Uh, the other side of it is the way you call is you do just a couple short bouts. You, you rattle for, you know, 30 seconds, give it a break for a minute, another 30 seconds, give it a break, maybe a third time for another 30 seconds tops. That's it. Even that might be too much. Um, some people will sit there and they will just rattle antlers every five minutes for 10 hours straight. And I know of people that they've sat there and they have watched over the course of time every deer feeding in a field 200 yards away from this person calling. Just one by one turn and run away over the course of a half hour to an hour because it's not natural. It's not right. It's suspicious. And here's the thing. This is maybe the biggest thing of all. A big buck, a mature buck, a smart buck, he hears this going on. He's going to circle around and try to come in downwind. And if a big buck gets downwind of you, you're busted. Period. If he gets suspicious, he wants to circle around, come in downwind. Now, there's always a chance they might just dash in there. Um, all zealous, but if he turns around and tries to get downwind of you and does, you're busted. It's game over. So I recommend if you're going out for gun season, don't even take an ant a rattle call with you. Now, if you're going out for archery and you are approaching the rut, you're in the pre-rut season. Um, you know, bucks are already they are uh, hard bone horned. They've already got rid of their velvet. They are sparring. It's that time of the season. There's a couple weeks where, you know, it might be something you think about doing. If, if there might be a couple weeks in there where if your regular methods aren't paying out or you have reason to believe there's another buck close by who's a big buck, that could be a way to, to pique his curiosity and get him to come in. He might not yet be suspicious enough because this kind of thing's happening more regularly to circle around and get downwind of you. Do I recommend you do it? No. Even during archery, even during the right time, I recommend new hunters don't, don't do any rattle calls. Again, you're more likely to blow up your stand, I think, than you are to improve it. So I would say focus on being quiet, on not moving, and on not leaving scent. Uh, again, the odds I just don't think are in your favor when it comes to this. Uh, especially if you're a new hunter, you're inexperienced, the, the, there's no consequence to not calling. But if you mess it up, you could uh, spook bucks out of there for the rest of the season and lose your chance in your spot. So the next call, this would be your bleak call, your can call. You, you turn it over and little thing inside slides and it makes that deer bleat. They've got the doe and estrus bleat and all of these. Uh, these calls, do they work? How, what are they supposed to do? Well, the idea is it's a doe sound. You turn it over. It's like a doe making her, her little bleat noise that she might make. Now, can a deer really tell if that bleat is a difference from a doe and estrus bleeding to a regular doe bleeding? Um, I think that's debatable, whether or not they can tell any difference between the different bleats. But is it worth doing? Again, this is one of those things where perhaps during the pre-rut, as you're approaching approaching the, 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 the rifle season, maybe. 
Uh, here's the downside. It's not very loud. It can't be heard very far. So unless you're hunting archery, unless you've got reason to believe there's a buck nearby, unless you think that for whatever reason um, that buck thinks that there are does around but hasn't seen them or smelled them, this may be something that could potentially bring them in. Again, you're banking on the, the chance that if a buck is near, if a buck hears this soft call, and if a buck is interested, will he just run in versus circling around downwind? Uh, again, I think you are more likely to overcall and call at the wrong time, call when there's deer close by that can see you calling and blow up your situation than it is to be helped by it. And again, once you hit rifle season, um, I don't think this is something that is even going to matter. I, I wouldn't even take one of these into the woods. For archery, you know, maybe you want to play with it in the middle to the late archery season. I don't know. You know, if you're talking early archery season, well, the rut's not on. There are no does and estrus. You're making does and estrus calls. It's out of place, out of season, doesn't make sense. It's confusing. Um, again, if a deer is interested, a buck's most likely to circle around downwind, I think, and come in and bust you. So I would only recommend these kind of calls for the intermediate to advanced hunter in part of the archery season. But for the beginner hunter, wouldn't even bother with it. Uh, the other call is the snort wheeze. People often just do this with their hand. So I guess they do make contraptions and devices for it. Um, you know, it's just the sound of, of a deer blowing and making that snort that they do. This is something the idea being is it can agitate a buck. Him be like, whoa, who's over there? Who's making that noise? Again, I know of hunters who have used this with some effectiveness, but even they don't recommend it um, because it is a call that more often than not alerts deer that something's going on. So I don't recommend you ever do it. There could be a time, and I will get to that in a moment, where these kind of things are maybe advisable. But for a new hunter, I wouldn't even take 10 minutes and research it. I'd just leave that alone and just move on. Because especially if you don't know what you're doing, trying to make calls with your hand and your mouth, you're just, I mean, your chances of you doing this right and well and getting it to work and knowing the right time and opportunity, slim to none. Number four, you have the grunt call. This is the one call that you may want to get a hold of and take with you in the woods. Deer grunt. All kinds of deer grunt. Bucks grunt, does grunt, fawns grunt. Um, contrary to what marketers will tell you, there's not a whole lot of difference you can tell between different you know young is it a young buck grunt an old buck grunt a young doe an old doe a fawn yeah you can maybe tell the difference you got a lot of these adjustable grunt calls does it matter um here's the thing deer don't go to calling competitions deer usually barely hear the call at a distance because even though it's a loud call that it still doesn't travel very far and i don't know that any of that really matters that much when you grunt, you're saying, hey, there's a deer over here. Now, uh, this again is most useful for archery, but the idea is this, you know, there's a deer close by. And I would recommend only when you've made visual contact with a buck or a deer, 
that you want to bring in, but they're not coming close enough. You know, you, you see him out 100, 200 yards away. You saw him pass by, and he just isn't coming your way. There's a chance that if you give it a grunt, that deer will just, out of curiosity, just come in and say, oh, what other deer are over here? Who's over there? Is there a doe? Is there a buck? And there are times when a big buck will just sort of just turn his head, look around, and then just sort of trot right over. Now, is that really going to happen? I think maybe once out of five, if you see a deer and you blow and he hears you, is he going to come in? Now, the grunt is the one call that's not likely to spook deer unless you make it often and regularly and when they can see you make it. Usually, a, a, a buck that's walking by, if he hears you, he's going to stop and turn his head and look. He might not come in, but if he hears you, almost always they'll acknowledge it. The number one time bucks don't acknowledge it is if they don't hear it, which is not hard to do because you can underestimate distance. you got cover in the woods. You don't know what the noise level's like where the deer is, but they might not hear you. Uh, but if they do hear you, they're likely to at least look out of curiosity. Um, the other time you would use a grunt call is buck is walking or whatever deer is walking right in front of you. And you need to get him to stop for a split second so you can take your shot and have a better chance of hitting it. Especially if they're moving at a clip. So there's a, ch there's a good chance that if a buck's walking and you blow that grunt call, he's going to stop and turn his head. Now, he's looking straight at you. You have one second to pull the trigger or let the arrow fly, and he's going to see you and run. So that's only to take a shot, um, and that can be useful. Um, but when it comes to luring a deer in, grunt calls may be the, the one call where you have the least risk of harm and a reasonable chance of affecting some desirable outcome with. Again, one in five, maybe one in ten chance it's going to work. But it could be something that you want to take with you. And that could be for archery or, or gun season. Now, it's not a hunting strategy to go and set up in your tree stand, you're in your blind or wherever you're setting up, and just grunt once an hour or every 20 minutes or whatever and hope to bring a deer in. That sort of pattern and that sort of thing will spook deer, will get deer suspicious, will put them on edge. You don't know how close a deer might be, where they might be bedded down. You just don't know. You only want to use a grunt call if you see a deer or you have reason to believe there's a deer there or you hear them tramping around in the bushes or something and, you, you, and, and they're moving away from you. If they're already coming to you, do not, do not, do not do any kind of call. Just let them come in to you. But if they're going away or they're passing by or they're out of range and they're not turning, they're not coming, you could take a chance and, and blow a grunt call. Now, here's the thing. Deer have great hearing, great directional hearing. They can turn their head in a split second. They can figure out where a call came from. And if you can see him when you call... And he's looking even in your general direction. You can be busted. So it's best that there's some distance. It's best that they're not looking at you when you call. And if they turn their head, don't call again. Do not call again. And if they start coming in, don't call again. 
Because they may be walking, lounging, loafing, doing whatever they're doing. They hear that call, they're like, oh, hey, who's over there? But if you, if you blow another one, they can zero in, usually even know you're in the tree, and then they're going to get close enough that they can see or smell you, and, you're, and they're, you're done. It's over. So grunt call could be the one call you want to take with you. It could give you a chance, again, one in five, maybe one in ten, of if you see a deer who's walking by where you are and he's not stopping or he walked past, you've got a shot of maybe getting him to turn around and come in or divert his trajectory to to come and check out what's going on where you are. Or more likely and more useful, he's walking in front of you and you need to get him to stop, so you give him a, a, a quick grunt, he turns his head, you have that split second that you need to take the shot. But do not blow the call until, I mean, you literally, you've got the gun up, finger on the trigger, you've got him in the scope, you've got him in the sights of your bow, you have already drawn the bow, I mean, you are ready, you just need that moment to take the shot without him moving. That's when you want to blow it. Now, again, most important things you can do is not call or buy calls or take calls. It is having no sound and no smell in the woods. Don't make noise, don't have any movement, and leave as little scent as possible. That'll carry you further than any call, any type of call, any call routine. Um, Because again, calls, most of them are just as likely to mess up the situation as they are to cause something good to happen. But you do run into situations where you get desperate and you you, you start to take desperate actions. And desperate actions is really something only a master can can do with some reasonable chance of success. Anybody can be desperate. Anybody can take some desperate actions. But the majority of the time, it's going to be a failure. Um, And when it comes to deer hunting, when you start taking desperate measures, you are going to end your hunting season. You're either going to take a deer or you're gonna blow up that spot for the rest of the season. So you gotta really weigh and judge when is it worth taking a desperate action? When is it worth um, you know, pulling out some of these calls and just hammering on a rattle call you know, in the middle of nowhere for no reason or trying something unconventional or pulling out the stops, doing everything you can do. When's it worth taking that extra risk I can tell you it's not opening day. Usually it's the end of the season, um, maybe on the last day, maybe as a last resort. But an experienced hunter will know what situation there's a chance of this working. What situation is it worth the roll of the dice? What situation is, you know, when might you decide, you know what, I'm going to climb down from my stand, I'm going to walk a quarter mile to the edge of that rise. I'm going to I'm going to pull out my rattle call. I'm going to make a call, and then I'm going to walk another 100 yards. I'm going to hide behind that big oak tree, and then I'm going to blow a grunt call and try to do something crazy, lure some deer and do something like that. When might some sort of crazy plan like that actually work? Only experience can tell you that. But the majority of the time, it's not going to work especially if you don't have experience to know what to do and how to do it well, but it's not going to work. And you're going to blow up your, your stand, your area, your situation. You're going to leave scent. You're going to spook deer. You're going to 
You're going to put them on edge with the wrong sounds and the wrong noises. The best thing you can do most of the time is sit and be quiet and don't pressure the deer. And if you don't get your opportunity that day, climb down carefully, quietly, cautiously, get out of the woods and come back another day. That's the best chance that you have of being successful as a new hunter most of the time. But if you're going to try something drastic, if you're going to try something unconventional, um, you just have to understand, you just have to weigh the risk. You have to weigh the, the idea of if I walk down and walk over there, is it worth the, the likelihood that no deer will ever walk through this area again during the hunting season? What do I think my chances are of this little maneuver working? And is it worth the risk? Now, if you have multiple places you can hunt, then you can be a little more cavalier. You can be a little bit more risky. You can, you can do some things like this a little more often. And I'm not going to tell you don't ever do something unconventional. Because the number one thing for hunting and why we should hunt is to have fun. Uh, unless you are hunting for food and you're in some kind of situation where it's survival or it's budget related, it's about fun. But if it is a survival or budget related situation, then you're going to take any deer that walks in front of you. And to be honest, doe hunting is relatively easy. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast and have picked up the tips that we've put out this deer season and last deer season, it's going after specific deer, big bucks, whatever you're trying to do. It's all about having fun. So it may be worth doing some unconventional stuff because that unconventional stuff is fun. And it may be worth the consequences because it's fun to do and you want to go out there and have fun and whatever, but just weigh it out. You know, are you planning to come out to that spot another three or four or five more times over the course of the season? Is that your only place to hunt? If it is, you know, and you make a couple bad moves, you could damage your, your opportunities in that place for the rest of the season when it comes to big bucks or mature bucks. Does, does are pretty forgiving. Two or three days, I mean, there's almost nothing you can do to spook a doe. And three days later, they hadn't forgot about it. Mature bucks, more like three or four weeks later. And even then, they hadn't forgot. They're just, they may come back, but they may be more cautious. So you want to be careful, but you want to think it through. What calls do you need? You don't need any calls. Um, what would be the most helpful call? The grunt call. It's something you might want to take with you. It's something that can help you, especially with archery hunting. And here's the thing with, with, deer, with rifle hunting. Oftentimes, um, by the time a deer's in range, they could be in range and still not be able to hear your call. So if you've seen them, if you've located them, you can take a shot. The call may not help you. They may not even be able to hear it from that distance. So it's a mixed bag. But that would be the one call I'd say. Take a grunt call into the woods. And, you know, that might be something that's a benefit to you. So I hope this has been helpful for you guys. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com for the show notes, other episodes. We've covered a lot of topics this deer season. Uh, a lot of good stuff and last season. Head to the website, download, subscribe, get these episodes, send them to other people, share them. Um, and most importantly, God bless you guys and go get them in the woods.